0: What's up, cold weather bats people? This is Brandon Justice here to talk to you about our new partner here at CWB, and that is Prospect Center. Located in Clinton, Michigan, the Prospect Center is a baseball training facility that is available to all levels of baseball players, softball players, and teams. They've got an all-new field surf with three tunnels, six L screens, three field screens that are seven by seven, along with two pro-level pitcher mounds, an iron mic, a hack attack, and a hit tracks. So all the technology and amenities to provide for your individual training or team training. Owners Nick Capiferi and Mike Rice are in the building every day and can not be contacted directly for details at 586-649-7216. Again, Nick or Mike at 586-649-7216. Additionally, the Prospect Center is adding teams for the 2023 summer. If you're looking to take your team to a facility that can provide training throughout the winter and then a schedule for the summer, contact Mike Rice with Prospects Baseball. Welcome into another edition of Cold Weather Bats, a special summer episode talking about recruiting. We kind of previewed this episode a couple of times in the final few episodes of the season and season two. Uh, So take this as like a bonus, maybe like a director's cut. I don't know what you want to call it, but we're joined by Brian Tikowski as usual. But we've also got a a bonus host with us today, a little bit more than a a guest, I would say, Joe Mooney, who's going to provide a, a ton of perspective from plenty of angles on the recruiting process in today's world of high school baseball and, and then so on and so forth in college baseball so brian
1: i'll start with you how you doing good man excited uh to have a couple days at home to where we can do this just watched a bunch of michigan boys play in hoover alabama so uh that was nice to see but uh yeah man ready to get rolling and joe how are, i know you're out
0: yonder
2: yeah i'm out here in uh, cape cod and uh I just crushed one of the best lobster rolls I've ever had in my entire life. And so, uh, it was awesome. So yeah, I'm out here at Cape Cod, uh, watching, uh, my son, uh, play, uh, play a little baseball in the Cape Cod league and enjoying some sun out here and, uh, looking forward
0: to talking a little bit about recruiting. On the topic of your son, we'll start there and introduce folks who, who might not know uh, your background. So, Alex Mooney is uh, your middle son. Your oldest, Jack, is at the University of Michigan as a student. The middle, Alex at Duke playing baseball, and then, of course, out in the Cape during the summer league. And then your youngest, Ryan, is a rising senior at Orchard Lake St. Mary's. Committed to Notre Dame for baseball, but it looks like he's going to have some opportunities for football, too. And we'll, we'll dive into that a bit as well. Uh, but, Joe, just talk about the... Uh, broad angle, I guess from a a broad perspective, just the big picture of what it's like being a father to three uh, really athletic kids who have a lot of academic aspirations and just how you've kind of handled all of that through the years.
2: Yeah, I think it's all, you know, a matter of balance and, and what they want more than, you know, more than what I want. I was not, frankly, a huge academic guy Uh, back in high school. Uh, And so I think because I wasn't a big academic uh, guy, I probably focused on that probably more than I should, because that's one of the regrets. I wish I would have put more time in the, the academic side of things. And so um, but, but first and foremost, we were always, you know, an academic family, you know, school comes first, that sort of thing. And and people say that, but like we really lived it. And, uh, you know, I think that that's, that's something that I think is really important on our aspect, because when you're making these decisions in colleges and you're kind of balancing coaches calling you and calling your son and that sort of thing is that, you know, I really look at this as a 40 year decision, not a four year decision. I mean, I get people asking me, you know, every single day, not every day, but probably three times a week, like, hey, where'd you go to college, you know? And you're like, I went to the University of Michigan, right? And I'm proud of that, but it's a 40-year decision. It's not just a four-year decision that, or even a three-year decision if you're gonna be draft eligible, um, you know, it's something that I think is a long-term decision. So we kind of approach this whole thing with that in mind of understanding that academics come first, it's a 40-year decision. Uh, and, and lastly, obviously, but you know, just as important is that athletic component where do you fit best, right? What is the what is the college that you feel like, you know, that you're going to go to and, and you're going to excel at? Um, I think that's very, very important. So that's kind of how I I try to look at it from a, a 30,000 foot perspective.
1: So the, the point of this episode is to go lower than 30,000 feet, as far as the perspective goes. We want to, um, you know, like pull the curtain off is an overused trope for this kind of stuff. Like everybody knows that there's, the way things are said to go. And then there's the way things actually go. And that's true in any career, any whatever. Like that, That's a universal truth uh, with most things. And the recruiting process is no different. Uh, there's the way you think it goes, the way that it's told to you that it goes, and the way that it actually goes. And those are often two very, very different things. So that's what we want to, on this episode, sort of shine a light on. Um, Joe has been through it a couple times with multiple children. Uh, I obviously, being in in my job, what I've been doing for a decade, uh, I see it firsthand every single day. You know, like my phone is constantly ringing with college coaches and blah, 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 like this, that and the other thing. So like, I have a little bit of an inside perspective there. Brandon has coached in that travel ball circuit. He's coached players who have been recruited by big level schools, high level schools. Uh, he coaches high school baseball. He has coached college baseball. Uh, he understands uh, the intricacies of this as well as, as Joe or I do. Um, But we are coming at this from three different perspectives within the same spectrum. So either way, I I think this is going to be informative. And and I mean, Joe, I think the I'd like to start with what you said with the 40 year perspective. I know we talked about this the first time we had you on the show last season. We're not going to do a whole rehash of that. But I think that's a good starting point. Like um, I want to start with the you got to play right away type of thing. Now, I agree with you mostly yeah please just go on with it
2: yeah i mean i think you know you got to go to a place and you got to have your son go to a place and be really realistic about where you're going to play right academics in my opinion are number one but if there's a 1a is that you have to go somewhere you're going to play immediately this is this is huge and you have to be realistic about it right um if you don't these schools don't mess around, especially in the South, and they don't mess around. And you'll be entering the transfer portal very quickly if you don't contribute. Right? You need to have a realistic understanding of your skill set and how that transfers to that particular school. And, and, and you must know that these powerful, power five schools, you know, they're in, sure they're in the development. Yes, definitely they want to develop kids, no doubt about it. But and they do over that three year period. And again, I also think having great players around you is part of that development, right? You surround yourself with great people. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to become great. But they want immediate impact players, right? They want guys that, that really are going to go in and, and going to contribute quick. And the days of like sitting a couple years and like waiting your turn and then, you know, the starter gets drafted or he graduates and you paid your dues. So you're moving right in. Those days are over, right? They're they're gone. Mm-hmm. So with undergrad transfer, the transfer portal, you know, new stud freshmen coming in, like, you better be willing to fight to play and then keep that position immediately. You got to have an opportunity. And, and no coach is probably going to say, you're going to be my starting shortstop. Now, they may say that, but, you know, what, again, to Brian's point, whatever they say and whatever happens, you come in the fall and you don't perform or you get hurt. They may not be the starting shortstop, right? Or the, you know, the starting center fielder. So, you know, the, the, you have to understand that, that there's a lot of options for coaches now to get players. They can pull them from the portal, from the Jucos, mm-hmm. from undergrad portal. I mean, there's several things that they can do. And so every year is a tryout. So, you know, you want to go down South and this is an important point or, you know, I'm not saying just down South. I mean, they do it up, up North of Michigan as well. But you want to go to a top school, you may have 22 kids in your recruiting class. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta be realistic about that. And you show up to fall ball and there's like 55 kids there, right? Or 50 plus kids there. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, it's like is on the roster in terms of, in terms of being able to travel and that sort of thing. So yeah. 55 kids, so you're kind of looking around going, well, a lot of these people aren't gonna be here anymore, right? And so you better be yep. ready to ball. And so, you know, if you, and if you sit, you lost a season and like sitting sucks. And so take it from someone who sat like a lot in college, it sucks. Right. And so you, you then had the summer ball after your freshman year of sitting. And then let's say you tweak a hammy or something like that, or, you know, you have a sore arm you decide, you know, you can't play. And then you're looking at like possibly two years of like not playing competitive baseball. And so I implore people to say, you know, make sure that you are going to a place that basically you're going to be able to play. And, you know, you have to really look at that and be really honest with yourself and, and don't do it for the, like the euphoric Twitter night when everyone's liking your tweets and retweeting your kids tweets and people are commenting, like you're that guy, right. And, you know, LFG bro, uh, you know, and congrats, bro, bro, let's get it. You know I mean? You know, there's an old saying measure twice and cut once. In recruiting, I'd say from a parent's perspective as well as a, a player's perspective, I'd say measure 10 times and cut once, right? Uh, there's no rush to make a decision. I, that's another thing. Alex mm-hmm. made a decision his freshman year. We got really lucky. Uh, and so in terms of the coaches were still there and that sort of thing. Uh, but a lot can change in four years. Um, and so that and that's something we could talk a little bit about as well uh, with a lot of the coaching changes that are happening uh, currently, at, uh just you know, around our neighborhood here in in Michigan, as well as Notre Dame, and and the coaching carousel that that's happening right now. So, yeah, it's we got really lucky. Uh, we picked Duke, and our coaches were still there, still good guys. Were it was a but a lot can change, and now it's continued to develop. If you don't develop, and you're not you know you're not getting better, and you're not working on your craft, there you know that's up to you. That's your responsibility too. That's on you. And so, you know, you really have to, you really have to get better. They're not going to mess around. I mean, they have, they have mouths to feed and it's their kids. Right. And they get paid. Coaches get paid to win. That's what happens. You know, they get paid to win. So
1: I think the transfer portal is a good place to, to pick up here. Uh, You mentioned it. It's obviously relevant to everything here. Uh, Basically, if you don't know, the transfer portal means that one time in your career, you can tra- freely transfer without penalty to another Division I institution. It used to be you had to sit out a year. You could do it, but you had to sit out the next season. Or you had to go to JUCO for a year, and then you could go back to a D1. Or you could transfer down to a D2 or D3 and play right away. But there was no straight-up D1 to D1, you can play right away, unless you got some sort of special eligibility waiver, like you family member is... is is sick and you had to move back closer to home, something like that, whatever. the, It's not like the NCAA was ever uh, across the board with how they handled that anyways. But either way, uh, so the transfer portal is now a hot topic. You see it on every recruiting board for every sport. Uh, it's especially prevalent in baseball, just like it is football and basketball. Um, and the, the breakdown of it, the simple way of putting it is uh, – th- Coaches just aren't as invested, and and again, I'm speaking specifically about the big-time Power Five, the programs you know about, the powerhouses. There's really not much value in taking a guy that you know you're not going to get huge impact out of right away because why bother developing somebody when you have free agency in the portal? And especially with the schools that are maximizing NIL uh, already and the schools that will continue to maximize NIL uh, within or without of the rules – um, th- there's no value in like, all right, we got. we we're going to bring this kid in we're excited about. It. We know he's probably not going to play much as a freshman. Uh, we think he'll be a decent player by his sophomore year and then by his junior year, he's going to be really, really good and start for us. There's no point in that anymore. Why? You can just go get a starter level player from another D1 school who decided to enter the transfer portal or you told his agent to tell him to enter the transfer portal so you could get him that's a common trick too um and like this isn't relevant to everybody this is relevant to the big time that's what we're talking about here but it it, it is important then to pay attention to as an incoming recruit as a player who is committed to a school a year out two years out three years out whatever pay attention to that Who else are they recruiting in your class? Who else are they recruiting at your position? Did they bring in a transfer portal guy two weeks before you're supposed to go to campus who plays the same spot as you? Guess what? You're not going to play. You're the freshman. You're not going to play now. Like, that's just how it is. And if you do play right away, if you're not a dude by the time conference play rolls around— and I'm talking, this is four, five weeks into the season. If you're not a dude for that school as a freshman, by the time that week five rolls around, guess what, buddy? Pack your bags. They may not cut you, but they're going to bring in three guys for that spot in the portal the next offseason. So that's it's. there's so much more risk in chasing that that huge sort of school banner mentality or whatever at this point. And I I know this is a rant, but it goes back to what Joe was talking about, about going somewhere where you know you can play right away. Go somewhere where you know you can play right away that you also know that you can thrive at. And that speaks to comfort level with the coaching stability. That speaks to comfort level with the development plan. That is so huge. Every time you go on a visit, every time you talk to a school, ask them what their dev plan is for you.
2: That's a great question. And Brian, I think you should also bring up that there's schools that really have a policy against, there are some schools, I mean, conversely, there's a lot of schools out there that that are going to bring in someone, uh, an undergrad transfer, if you don't perform or whatever, and you were slotted for that position, like to Brian's point, they may bring in two more guys or three more people, like right after you, right from the transfer portal. But there are schools that do not do that, be it, be it academics, or they mm-hmm. have a policy that they basically, they roll with who they have, right? And, and I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent, but I know Duke, it's very tough academically where Alex goes. It's very tough for them to transfer credits into Duke. And so it's, it's tough for them to be able to kind of just go, well, you know, he's not playing short, well, we're going to bring in another short supper. We're going to, this first baseman freshman, we're not going to, you know, we're going to bring in someone new. The reason they can't do that is but academically, first of all, the, it's hard for the school admission department. And you have mm-hmm. to ask that question as well. What's the admission department's policy on that as well? Cause there is a little thing called school there. Let's, let's, you know, let's absolutely side of that. we talk Absol- about baseball, but no there is question. a thing called admissions. That basically is the gatekeeper for all you don't get past admissions. You don't have anything. So just want to make make sure that that's clear as well.
0: I think one thing worth bringing up while we're here and, and this kind of takes us away for a second, but when it comes to a lot of, well the first thing is there's a lot of good D2 coaches and good Juco coaches and, and good D3 coaches, right? So, you can, you can develop at those levels. I mean, there, there's plenty of schools at those levels that are going to develop similar to some D1s. Some D1s just have the facilities to simply outweigh anything, right? But I know we're talking big, big time here. So, to kind of pull it back a bit and make it more, I guess, mapping everyone with this statement, you can decide on a D2 over plenty of D1s and have a better and longer career and, and more successful in certain situations, in certain situations. So I just wanted to ta- kind of take a step away and, and make that statement. I think you guys would agree with that too, right? You know, it's, it's one I thing. T- I
2: mean, one of, one of the guys that I follow probably who I, I really am a fan of and I follow uh, is Hunter Brown, right? From Wayne state. Uh, and so it's Hunter Brown, right? Uh, Brian. Yep. Um, yep. Who, You're right. Who I think just throws gas. And I've watched that guy for a long time and I, I follow him and I, and, and I, and I, I think that he's obviously with the Wayne state doing Doing great stuff, uh, and so in the pros, and and he's really been moving up the ranks and really developing. So I kind of look at those guys, and and I think that that's kind of cool as well. So yeah, by no means uh, do I believe that you have to go to a, you know, an Arkansas to be you know to be a dude. You can be a dude anywhere, D two, D three, Nai, you know, juco doesn't matter. You just got to find the fit for you. If you find a fit, you're going to be comfortable. You feel comfortable, then you're going to be basically play well, right? And so I think
0: that's very important. Yeah. One thing Joe, I Joe
1: before the show started, oh, go ahead, Brandon. Sorry.
0: I was going to say one thing that I try to convey to a lot of kids just to kind of like relate with where they're at and, and make it make sense for them is like you have a Nike hoodie and you have a Supreme hoodie. And so that if, if, if either of you know what that what that means, uh, Joe, I know you oh, do. I would, assume, nope. I would assume so. I, I knew one wouldn't one would. And I got both right. So that's great. Uh, so you got a Nike hoodie and you have a Supreme hoodie. The Supreme hoodie is far more expensive and far more you know brand recognition, uh, but it's way too big for you, way too big for you, or maybe it's way too small for you. The Nike hoodie is about you know three hundred, four hundred dollars less. It's not as significant uh, in the streets, so to say. Uh, however, it fits you perfect, and you're you're comfortable in that, uh, and you feel confident in that, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of how I try to explain that. Um, and, and something I did early on and, and one of my go-tos. So I thought that situation was one to bring up because I do feel like a lot of our Michigan kids from a percentage perspective are probably looking more in the D two to D three levels, despite how many D ones that we have. So, uh, but let's Brian, I know you had something to say. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. I just, uh, I wanted to, to move more into, we talk about how Joe talked about how he got lucky. Him and Alex got lucky as far as when when Alex committed to Duke, Chris Pollard, who's the head coach at Duke, Josh Jordan, who's the recruiting coordinator at Duke. Those two guys who recruited Alex are still the head coach and recruiting coordinator at Duke. That's lucky. That's a huge part of this this whole commit thing. And we're seeing it right now in our backyard with Michigan. Uh, Coach Backage goes to Clemson all of a sudden Michigan's losing all of their 2022 2023 a couple 2024 commits uh, because there's no coach there. So like that's that's obviously kind of what I what I'm, I'm going to get at. Joe, you mentioned before the show how you can as a family who is being recruited kind of project that. You can kind of make a guess at if the coach who's recruiting you or the coaching staff who's recruiting you is actually going to be there when you get to that institution and, and you brought up a good example from Alex's recruitment. I'm going to let you tell the story, but uh, yeah, I thought that was a great point.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, just getting back to it, I think that, you know, coaches are great, right? I mean, I love, I love coach package. I think he did a great job at Michigan. He's an amazing guy. He's a great leader of men, um, you know, coach Pollard and coach, uh, um, uh, uh, Jordan are amazing coach Jordan. was a great recruiting coordinator. Very, very persuasive. Awesome. guy. <laughs> but, he, but the reason I love, I love those guys is that and how we got lucky so to speak is that, um, and, and it wasn't really luck. I think I knew it is that coach Jordan and court coach powered were, were guys that were inculcated in the Durham community, right? They were entrenched in the Durham community and they reached the super regionals like a couple times over the last like five years. Um, but they were really still building something and you could tell, right. They like, they weren't done yet. Right. And they're like, Hey man, we've been in the super regional a couple of times We won the ACC championship in 21. Like we're not done yet. But when we were, when we were recruiting Alex, it was like, they've, they've got a couple dudes in there and it was like, we're getting started. It was just, you could feel that vibe, right. That those guys are going to be there for a long period of time. Now I also felt that there was other coaches that I just didn't feel like they were performance wise or, or I felt like they were they were going to be going somewhere else. And I think it's very important that you know the coach may say he cares about you and he loves you and all that stuff, but I got to tell you what. You know who he loves more? His own kids, right? His own family. So if he gets an opportunity to leave for greener pastures and take care of his family, he's going to do it. And so and there's nothing wrong with that, right? The guy cares more about his family than he does your son. Well, duh. And so the, when you yeah. understand that, that he cares more about his family, he's going to leave, you know, if, if if he's a, if he's really, really great and you understand that, that's fine. So when you're looking at someone, you got to ask yourself, where do I see this person three, four, five years out? Right. Um, if they think that this is their dream job, they're from the area. They played at the school, you know, Chris powers from North Carolina. Right. I mean, I felt, man, this is a good fit. He He's probably not going to leave. Josh Jordan is, is from that area. And so, you know, I, I doubt that they were going to leave. But I I look back also, and like when Alex was getting recruited, to your point, uh, Zach, Alex was getting recruited by Michigan State. So we were up there at Michigan State, and there was an assistant coach, pitching coach up there named Skyler Mead. Now, if you've ever met Skylar Mead, he is a dude, right? Young, funny. He's got a great team. dude. He's like, dude, energetic. Played at Louisville. He's awesome. And so, like, you're watching him as an assistant coach. And he's like, I don't know, 27 or whatever at the time, 28. And you're going, no way is he going to be like an assistant coach the rest of his life. That guy's going to be going, he's, he is has D1 or D one head coach written all over, like no doubt. So I'm like talking to him. He's like really, really energetic. And Alex loves him, right? Like thinks he's like the man. So And everyone does. Everyone thinks that, that Scott is the man. But I told Alex that there's no way he's going to be here uh, in, in, in by the time you get here. No way. So I said you should evaluate Michigan State, knowing what the academics are, knowing what the campus is like, what Coach Boss is like, you know, um, you know how they how they compete, et cetera. But there's a very high probability that Skylar Mead is not going to be there, so take him out of the equation, right? Don't let him become part of that equation when you're making the decision. If you want to go to Michigan State, great, but it better not be because of Skylar Mead being there. And the same thing really was with Eric Backage, You know, I mean. We loved Derek Beckage and, and uh, um, he's a solid leader, right? He's he's great. And but I always felt like in my heart, and he turned down Stanford. But I always felt like he was going to be like Coach Corbin's successor, or when the ACC or the SEC, you know, was going to call him, he wasn't going to look the other way. I felt like he 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 had it, like he wants to be an ACC and SEC coach. And so, you know, uh, that's probably one of the reasons why you know Alex didn't didn't pick in Michigan. That in the cold weather. The cold weather was a big deal. I know we're on cold weather bats, but that was a big deal. He wanted to play in a warmer, warmer client. But you know, I don't I don't blame Coach package one bit, right? He's gonna do what's best for his family and he's gonna be, you know, very successful at Clemson. He's a powerless recruiter, but you have to understand that, like when you're it's really important that you're gonna play. It's a good academic place, right? Um, and the last thing I think is that that coaching aspect is, you know, you feel comfortable with the coach, but what if that coach leaves, would you still go to that school? And that's a great question. Like if coach power left, we probably like what we're doing, what people are doing right now for, for Michigan, they're getting backup plans, right? Because they're like, we don't know who's going to be the coach. And so at Michigan, they're like, you know, you see a lot of people decommitting now on social media and they're getting backup plans. And luckily uh, that didn't happen to us, but you have to look at it and kind of say, where do I see that coach, you know, probably five years from now. Um, and especially if you're younger, that's why I see wait, wait, wait as long as you possibly can. And if the colleges say, uh, we're not going to have much money left, it's kind of like, no, if you're a dude, they're going to have money. And so um, they'll find a way uh, to, to get you part of the program. So that was, you know, with like looking at Skyler looking at coach package and co- looking at you know the good situation that that we were in with coach Pollard and coach Jordan uh we're, we're very fortunate and that, that that we felt they were long-term people at Duke University and so when you're re- you're with your son and you're recruiting I think really important to kind of go you know what is this coach you're not looking look the coaches will say well I'm gonna you know help your, your son be a, a man and I'm a great husband and a great father and all that kind of good. And that's great that, that they can be a good example to your son. That's awesome. But hopefully they've been getting 18 years of that. Right. And so hopefully they already know like a good example already. And so you're looking at that and kind of say, what is that person's projection to leave that organization? And again, I look at, you know, where he's from, where he went to college. Is it a regional place? Where's his wife from? Where's her family from, right? You know, happy wife, happy life. They got to make sure that they, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, you know, looking at the family aspect as well. Um, you know, uh, where they go to college, how long have they been there? Have they been wildly successful? Are they just getting to that edge where a couple more people will make them great? And so, those are some of the things I looked at, and, and I think it's important, kind of, when you're choosing uh, a school, of how long that person's going to be there, what are the probability of them being there, because. Right now, it's it's crazy uh, at Michigan, and and you know we've taken a we at the University of Michigan, I'm my alma mater, uh, taken a long time to find someone, and and the result is a lot of decommitments and a lot of unrest, and and that's going to reverberate, and I think that we you know they they need to you need to understand what you're getting into when you make that commitment, because it's you know would you go to that school even if that that coach is not there, so. I went a rant there, uh,
0: Brian, but I think that that's
2: an important (laughs)
0: aspect as well. Uh, So we've covered kind of what it's like to decide – on the school, uh, as far as recruiting goes, let's dive a little deeper into how you become a recruit and, and what that looks like and how you continue to rise. Because if there's anything out there with more misconceptions than the recruiting process itself, it's how to be recruited, right? So, uh, one big thing is travel ball, selecting which travel organization to play for, uh, and, and the criteria you're using in, in doing that. Uh, and then there's the off season and what you do during the off season and the countless amount of specialists and Lessons that there are out there and everything. Uh, so, talk about the process that you went through with with Alex and that you're going through now with Ryan, uh, and putting them through uh, all these. I, I know they do the speed training, et cetera, et cetera. But just tell us about you, you, what advice you would give uh, in that department.
2: Do we give free plugs on here? <laughs>
0: yeah, go yes. ahead. We don't care.
2: Okay, good. Well, I mean, Joe Neal at Two SP is what we who we've used forever. The guys. The guy's really, really good. Um, you know, he's taken people who I felt were were very, very slow and uh, has really worked on their technique. And I was never, I was like, you're born with it or not, right? But he's, he's really great. Um, and that's just, that is pure just athleticism, right? I mean, I, Joe Neal doesn't talk, literally doesn't talk anything about throwing a baseball, hitting a baseball, you know, fielding a baseball, none of that stuff. I, he doesn't do anything. He does one thing and one thing only, and that's basically make them athletes. So first and foremost, I think when you're building a house and in this case, a, you know, you know, a, a division one athlete that you're talking about branding, I think that you have to have good athletes. I mean, you let the coaches, you know, at that college <laughs> develop that piece of mold, you know, and they're going to develop, be like a sudden you want to go in as a freshman and play, but in in reality, they, they want athletes. And so first and foremost, they don't want people clogging up the bases. They don't want people, know, out of shape. They want people that can, that can field the ball, field their position and, and field many positions. They want athletes. And so Joe Neal from 2SP, I think that's well worth the, the time and effort. Uh, It's not super expensive. He does group rates as well. So highly recommend that no, no free plugs. I know, but, um, he, he's been really, really great. He he really cares too. Um, and then from that aspect, the travel boss scene is interesting. You know, I mean, you know, I think it's interesting. Everybody talks about like their, their 16 year old team, 17 year old team. And I think that's great. Like Alex played on the Canes national team and you know, that was kind of fun. Uh, and I think Jeff Petty's really, really good at what he does there at that age, uh, or all those ages, you know, 16, 17, 18, they're, they're, they're always competitive and they're always good and they always have dudes. And the thing I liked about like the Canes and the Canes national team I loved was you're around, they get good guys. And Teddy doesn't put up with like someone that doesn't perform. Like he wants to win more than he does make friends. And I love that. Uh, and so I felt that again, I always tell my, my son that you're the average of your four closest friends. Right. So I think it's the same thing with like the Kings. Like the, the nice thing about it was they surrounded themselves. The hit dogs, were, but but everyone talks about that 16, 17 year old age, but it's interesting. The nine year old, I think eight, seven, eight, nine, I would say Alex, and, and Ryan learned how to run bases and field their positions and get the fundamentals of hitting at seven, eight, nine, if you people that are listening, that are younger. I think that's critical. Get a good coach. And I'm, you know, not saying that, but we, we had a good existence and, you know, Brad Crichton and and, and was on that team. And, you know, you look at that team that we had, it was like Luke Lito with LSU and Migliaccio. Uh, and and Saborn Campbell and Trey Lipsy, who's have a great year at, at Ohio State. They were all they were a nine year old team. It's crazy. Ten year old team. It's crazy, you know. And so um, I think like when they're really young is when the basics are taught. The good base running, the good hitting, you know, fielding your position. The baseball IQ starts really really young. So that travel ball, you know, it's kind of like everyone's like, oh my god, Looney, you're crazy. You know, you're you're having your kid. You know, you're, you're traveling to Georgia. The kid's like 11 years old, 12 years old. And I kind of go, look, what'd you do this weekend? I watched the masters. Great. You watch the masters. I got to spend, you know, 12 hours in the car on the way down, 12 hours, on the way back, talking to my son, getting to know him a little bit more, talking about the good, the bad, what to stay away from, spent the time in the hotel room, got to watch him play baseball. I mean, who's the crazy one, right? I mean, I think that's the thing You put the investment in you're going to get the investment out and, and, and I'm not just talking about baseball. I'm talking about, you know, understanding the importance of academics, you know, being a fierce competitor, but also being a kind person, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you can cover during those, those drives and, and, uh, and in those hotel rooms. And, uh, you know, we used to carpool a lot with Brad Crichton. I think he's got some unbelievable stories uh, about, you know, some of the stupid conversations we had on the way down, but really, really fun, good memories as well. So that's kind of my, my take on, on travel baseball is that the most important coach is the seven, eight, nine coach, right? That's like the person that's going to teach them a lot of stuff. And then, you know, that 16, 17, 18, it's important that they're just surrounded with really, really good talent dudes that basically are going to push them and make them better. Um, and, and, if you're competing on that, I was talking to Alex last night about this, is that if you're competing on that high level and, and Ryan's got a team at team, Ohio, he plays that, that Trey Lipsey played for and, and, uh, mm-hmm. a kid named Luke Lambert, who's at, at, uh, he's a catcher for Pitt. They both played out of last year and, and, uh, Ryan plays in the team. They have, you know, Ryan, Minnie McKay's on that team. Uh, and they've got a lot of good kids that are committed on that team. And again, I look at that team, I want them to be around them because I, I know that those those players are all good. They're good kids, first of all, but they're also, you know, really, really good players as well. And so I look at that and I, I kind of weigh the, you know, you're not, what are you going to teach really at 16, 17? I mean, you could teach them, you know, pitching shape and, but your college coach is really to do that more at 16, 17. It's basically just like compilation of really great players coming into you know, to the play, it, there's not a lot of like fundamental coaching going on at that time. The fundamental coaching starts at a really young age. And so, um, that's why I think like, you know, the hit dogs and that's what we were doing. It's kind of, kind of fun. It doesn't matter who it is. I just think it's, you get a good coach and the one that cares and, and, and really wants what's best for your Because It's not like they're getting paid. Right. So, um, but I think that that's important. You know, you start with, you know Joe Neal, and and you get the athletic side of it. You build that foundation. You top on some good, fine motor skill sports, and that's the great thing about baseball—is it's a fine motor skill sport, right? The more you, the more you do, the more you practice, the better you get. It's like golf, right? The more you practice, the better you get. Um, I look at kids like Jason Oliver and the the leaps that he's done. The kid's a hardworking kid. That's why he's why he's from St. Mary's. That's why he's getting better. That's why he's throwing ninety three. The kid's working hard, and so. I look at those kind of people and, and how that, that whole development goes. And I think they're all at two speed. They're all doing these hard things and uh, you know, they're doing things that people, other people don't want to do, uh, but they're doing them. And so I think that that's important.
0: So I'll, I'll kick over a similar question to Brian uh, and, and getting back to our you know, three diverse perspectives here, uh, Brian, from a scouting perspective, obviously you're in communication with coaches and they're asking you uh, about certain players and everything. So just talk about the questions they're asking you and what's important to them. What's most important to them, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. There's like so many things that I want to talk about here. I, I, that I I can't even keep my head straight with it. Um, so like number one is they asked me what a kid's grades are like, period. That's the first question. Ninety eight point nine percent of the time or whatever, because if they can't get you into school, you're irrelevant. That doesn't matter. Um, this is more important at places like Duke or Stanford or Notre Dame or Michigan or, you know, take your pick of a, a higher academic institution. Um Those guys have a very, very limited window of players that they can recruit because the academic standards to get into the school is so high. That is even more true in the Ivy League, for example, et cetera, et cetera. That's nothing new. Um, But it's, I think that there's a misunderstanding of like what playable profiles actually are. Um, Nobody is going to take your light hitting first baseman. Like if you play, if you can only play first base, you have to hit for power. I'm sorry. You have to. Uh, If you're not going to play center field and you have to play a corner outfield spot, you also have to hit for power. If you're an infielder uh, and you don't have any power, you'd better be able to play shortstop. Uh, These are all like uh, telling me that your kid is a utility player actually makes me more likely to ignore your DM. Because that tells me that he's not like really good at one thing. Um, there's nobody in history who has ever been recruited to a power five school who lists their first position as utility player. Uh, you, the kids who come to showcases and work out at four spots, that's dumb. Hi, Brian Sikowski, me telling you, that's dumb. Don't do that. You're not that good at all four. You're actually making us pay less attention to what you're actually good at because you're drawing so much of our attention to something that you're just okay at. That doesn't do us any good. Um, if you're a pitcher, and this this goes back to the, we're going to have this argument on Twitter, I'm sure, after we say this. But uh, this goes back to the velocity versus everything else movement. Here I am. Here I am here to tell you. Guess what? Velocity is, in fact, very important. Every guy who's a dude throws hard. This is just reality. Watch the College World Series. All of them throw hard. The closer for Ole Miss, he threw 98 Dylan DeLucia, who won Most Outstanding Player, averages ninety ninety four. Can you sit ninety ninety four for eight innings like that dude can? No, you can't. Velo matters. Now, with that being said, on the other side of that coin, at the velo is what gets you in the door. The velo is what gets you attention. Nobody, There's never been a coach who's asked me about a kid like, hey, man, I'm looking for a righty in the 23 class. Uh, send me the dude who walks the least amount of guys. That's never the question. It's, Hey, I need like 88, 92 and he's got to throw strikes and he's got to be able to spend it for a strike and he's got to be athletic enough to where we can develop some command on him. And, uh, you know, the, the arm has to work and the body has to be projectable. And that's, that's what that is. But like, no one picks up the phone if you don't have a, a, a threshold of velocity or a threshold of velocity projection. And this, you know, is a sliding scale depending on the level, but that's just the reality of it. If you're like 79 as a senior in high school, but you hit your spots, you're gonna have a limited amount of places where you're gonna go play. That's just reality. Uh, It might suck. It might, we might swing back in 10 years as baseball is cyclical to where that's not as important. Uh, but right now, we're in a velocity bubble, and that's that's just reality. So developing arm strength, et cetera, et cetera, I, I go back to the profiles that I was talking about. Uh, know what your strengths are. Showcase them. And if you don't have showcaseable strengths, do not showcase them. You have to get better to get attention. You have to actually be good to get attention. Um, I, I've said this on the podcast before. Your game changer stats don't matter at all. Your diamond cast stats... Uh, the only thing anybody looks at is strikeouts and walks. Did you uh, did you strike out a bunch as a hitter? Uh, did you walk a bunch of guys as a pitcher? That's kind of where we're at. Or did you hit for power? Those are the stats that matter. No one cares what your average was. Um, no one cares that because your dad emailed Perfect Game and had him and had us change four hit or four errors to hits or whatever that your fielding percentage went up and now you're gonna. That doesn't happen. Um, our guys get a thousand emails a day like that, thinking that that matters. It doesn't. Um, I don't know, man. This has been long and rambling, but like the profile matters. You have to, that's so important, and people don't understand it. And, and it's I have it mastered because of the microcosm that is the MLB draft. That's been my focus of Perfect Game for a lot of years. So you know, like that, you can't take a light hitting first baseman early in the draft and expect him to be a dude. It's really hard to take a right-handed hitting first baseman who can only play first base super early in the draft because that dude has to absolutely mash for him to be valuable at the major league level. Spencer Torkelson is a great example of this. This is why it's hard to draft dudes who really only have one tool. Uh, It's similar when you're talking about colleges. Guys aren't calling me asking for right-handed hitting first base only. They, guys aren't calling me asking me for third baseman even. They want to get two or three shortstops in and develop a third baseman and a center fielder out of it. Guys aren't calling me asking me for corner outfielders unless they have huge juice. Uh, guys aren't calling me asking me for catchers unless they can also contribute offensively. Like everything is – there's so many profiles that I see, like people on Twitter, this, that, and the other thing that like – you know. If, you, if you're limited to first base and you can't hit for power, again, I said this already, that's a that's tough profile to recruit. It's a tough profile to draft, all the way, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Brandon, I, I want to go right back to you with a similar question because, again, you're going to answer this from a slightly different perspective. But when college coaches are coming to you and talking about your guys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, what are the questions they're asking you? And like if it's different than what I just rambled on about for way too long, like please enlighten us.
0: I would say the one constant, like the one thing that the contrast between a travel coach, scout, and a parent, and, and the most different would be mental makeup. I feel like I get a lot of that just because I'm around mm-hmm. the player the most uh, when the doors are closed with practice or uh, whatever it may be. And then, you know, and knowing the kid as long as I had dependent on that. But most importantly, just seeing him as many times as I've seen him in game which is what's most important. How does he perform in a game? Um, and then, you know, there's the other questions. Like we, like you guys have both talked about how the preparation is and the offseason, the other sports, the academics, the family, the background, et cetera, et cetera. But I would say the most common X factors and like denominators, because usually when it comes – or not usually, but, but more times I would say than not, uh, when a college coach is calling me for like a couple of questions that are specific to a player – Usually it's because this thing's about to close and, and he wants to, you know, check some boxes before they offer, right? So usually those are the questions. Yep. How does he fail? Like, what, how does he respond to failure? Um, yep. Things like that. Because they usually if it's if it's a D1 type of kid who, who's in the power, like you're talking power five, then like that kid's good. They know that. Like, we don't need to talk about his, his profile or, or a number. They know all of that because they've talked to you guys before, right? So when it comes to us, then it just becomes gamesmanship. You know, how's the t- how's he as a teammate? Is he a leader? Is he not a leader? Is he lead by example? Is he lead vocally? Um, on and on and on. So things like that, I think more personal things that kind of like who, who, the, who the player is as a person, who he's going to be within the program to them, because that matters. You know, there, there are a lot of programs out there that are um, I think they all put talent first like is this player good or not right but I do think past that there's a lot of people who are like does it does this kid fit our identity does he fit our mold like I feel like that always gets asked before you take a kid especially um you know but I I will say if we're pulling back the curtain there's a lot of guys who are just like if he's a if he's a freshman just take him Right. I don't think that that's uncommon. Like he's good enough. So we'll take him now, even if he doesn't necessarily fit the mold. Right. And then by the time he's a senior, he's committed somewhere else. So um, those things happen. Right. But uh, I would say those are the questions I'm getting asked that you guys haven't already mentioned uh, between the two Mm -hmm. of you outside of that. I mean, uh, it really comes down to how well does he take coaching? How well does he take criticism? Those are two big things too. Um, Because a lot of these kids you know some and they're human i think this i don't think this is uncommon in any era when a kid is that good to sometimes not think that he can get better now i feel like we're a lot more quote unquote woke these days so i do i do feel like a lot of kids are kind of taught and and aware that they need to be open-minded to to some change but there are some that aren't so um and it's and it's not uncommon for them not to be either so that's a question that gets asked a lot um but yeah i think those are really like the the x factors the game breakers because what parents think and not every parent but i think when you're getting when you're a coach and you're fielding calls from parents and here's the thing like it's part of the job to field Calls from parents about rec- about recruiting when mm-hmm. you're college when you're a travel coach. So like I'm not complaining about it. I'm just noting when you get these calls, right? So not complaining. Just want to put want to put that out there. <laughs> but when you're fielding them, the questions they're asking more times than not, I would say nine times out of ten, are, are pretty much not relevant to to the process itself, and, and won't be the X factors between uncommitted and committed. Um, so. And I don't blame them because there's a, there's a really big lack of resources out there. And then the few resources that there are, most of them are lying to you. And I'm not saying people. I'm just yeah. saying like Twitter feeds and social feeds and social media in general and, and yada, yada, yada. Um, and then, you know, people too, unfortunately. But uh, it's just one of those things where I feel like these three angles pretty much complete the cycle and – if, if we could provide any resource to, to the people who, who might not know these things, um, we'll help some people in the long run who are listening to this. So uh, with that, with all that, um, pivot here to a, another question uh, for Joe before we start to get to the point where we're wrapping up here. Um, but Joe, I know that right now as a parent, uh, you've really seen a lot um, from Alex through the college process. Alex had a lot of teammates. Right. And you kind of mentioned uh, the people he played with the players he played with at Canes, but also played with a lot of uh, kids in Orchard Lake uh, up here in Michigan. So from your perspective, um, I, I know that the Canes is a whole enormous step above Michigan high school baseball. And I know that of yeah. the people listening to this, there's probably mm-hmm. few with kids good enough to play for Canes National 17. Right. Um, but just from a general perspective, how important is it for our kids before they're committed and then initially after they're committed to go play competitive summer circuit travel ball?
2: Yeah, I think I mean, I personally thought it was important. I think like, you know, I also think. I also think if you get a good coach, I mean, I watch, you know, again, like these, I talk about youth guys, like, you know, like 12, 13, 14, I watch like, you know, Tony and Scott Leonard. I watch, you know, those guys and their practices, their practices are pretty intense. And so they're like, you know, I mean, they're, they're getting after it, right. A little bit. And so I think that then they go out and play and you play in Sanford, or you play at perfect game and, you know, or you're playing at Lake Point or whatever it is. and And I think that those environments are pressure packed. And I think that that's good. It's interesting. Is like, you know, talk to Alex about it. He, he's, he was saying the thing the Southern kids, they do really well at, they play all the time. And so, you know, they basically, you've got to be able to grind and you've got to be able to, that, that's one of the most important. Alex hit for his first, like, you know, he was hitting 210 or 220, like halfway through the season. And then he, you know, hit 400 the second half of the season. But he grinded. It sucked. And so, uh, uh, you know, you've got to be mentally like there, mentally tough, and you've got to be able to uh, be able to get through that because it's sometimes not fun. And and uh, I'll tell you, a lot of times it's it's getting back to the basics of remembering, you know, wh- you know where you came from and what you did and what got you there and all that kind of stuff, and and uh, make the adjustment and move on. People want to see that's the one thing they want to see. They want to see people make adjustments. They want to make sure that you know you're you're not going to being a funk and you're going to blame yourself or blame someone else. And you're going to be down on it. You're going to be a cancer. They want to make sure that you're working harder, like work. Like that's what you have to do to get through some of these things. You got to bust it and you got to get the extra time. I'll never forget We were, they were playing. Duke was playing. Uh, I think it was like North Carolina and, and the Duke, North Carolina coach K's last game was going on to Cameron. And uh, Alex had an opportunity to go, go to the game, but I, he literally went like, he went over three or 0 for four something like that. And called me in my hotel. He's like, where are you at? And I'm like, well, obviously in my hotel. And he said, I'm down front right now. And we went down there. I, I went in his car. We drove right to Cameron. He went into the locker room. That's where the locker room's at. Got his bat. I set the machine up. We were like hitting balls for two and a half hours during that game. And that was going crazy. They were loud. It was, it was an awesome atmosphere. But you could hear it inside camera next to us as we're hitting balls. And it's like you're watching your son like literally hit two twenty at that time or two thirty. And it's like, How is he gonna get out of it? Well, you get out of it by grinding. You get out of it by working hard. And you get out of it through that that youth baseball and through that those experiences that you've had. You go back to your mind and like everything that you you've picked up and that's what makes it that's what it makes it, because it's always, it, you know, hard work usually overcomes a lot of things, right? And so I, I think that, I don't know if that answers your question much, uh, Brandon, but um, kind of pulling from from that, I think it's it's important. And same thing with Ryan, you know, he's trying something different and, and uh, you know, you just got to keep grinding. And but you got to have, you know, some level of athleticism and, and that sort of thing too.
1: I think we could sum up like the, the general travel ball vibe. What were you, what are you looking for? When you're looking for a travel ball team, depending on the age of your son. Uh, And I I don't know anything about softball, but I would imagine this somewhat applies to softball, too. So or your daughter. But um, youth play for a guy who's going to develop you play for a guy who cares way more about getting your son better at baseball than winning a plastic trophy. Uh, Some of the stuff I've seen on Twitter from parents and coaches at the youth age is appalling. Um, but anyways, nobody for, cares. For so nobody like cares. That. yeah, think, nobody cares.
2: Zach, I used to think that they <laughs> care. I thought that, I thought, nope. that, oh my gosh, I'm going to be the next, you know, uh, the next Mike Matheny coach. Right. I thought I was, I was just yeah. as good as him in terms of like, you know, I'm winning nine year old trophies and you triple say, man, I must be pretty good. They don't care. No one cares. It's nope. like, what are you teaching them? And are you, are, are, are they getting exposed to situations that they're going to be able to use in the future? In my opinion.
1: Yes. And, and then I think you can follow that up with uh, kind of the pre high school level, uh, not youth, but that pre high school, middle school level. Here's where you start playing with guys who are similarly talented to you. This is where we start trying to play a little bit more level of competition. This is where game action matters a little bit more in terms of development. Here's where, again, you're not chasing plastic trophies and, and rings from World Series is where there's six teams from Missouri or whatever nonsense is going on. Um... This is where you're trying to develop by gameplay, by playing with people who are similarly talented to you, like Joe said, who will push you. Then once you get into the recruiting window, it starts being about, hey, playing in some places where there will be college coaches. This It does not matter who you play for, really. It matters where they play. It matters what environments you're going to be put in. Again, you're looking to play on teams where there are kids who who are also going to be recruited. You, you don't want to be the only recruitable talent on a travel team. No one's going to come watch you play. So you want to play on a team that has multiple of those guys, multiple uncommitted players. This is where you can start being more regional than than in-state or that sort of thing and then as you get older if you're if you're committed play with a bunch of committed dudes who are trying to get drafted or play with a bunch of committed et cetera, et cetera. like let's keep upping the level and you'll notice there has never been a time where I've mentioned it's important to play for somebody who's chasing trophies never once there's never any value in that you won, great like, fantastic, you, you had a good time learning to win, you played a bunch of baseball, great, that, that that's good. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't care about winning, but it is, and I've said this before, winning is like sixth at most more important when it comes to travel ball. Development, uh, recruiting, et cetera, et cetera, depending on the level of ability that you have, depending on what you're shooting for. But all of those things are so much more important than the $9 trophy you get at the end of the tournament. Uh, no, it's not it's not important. It just isn't. So I, I think that you can draw those lines all the way up the board as far as like increasing in age, uh, varying levels of what is important to that age group. But never once is it about, uh, you know, well, we had to miss work for three days this week because he played the tournament that went six days long and, and they ended up winning. But no one was there and he didn't get any better. And, and the coach got thrown out six times and nine parents got arrested for trying to beat up an umpire. Like, great. Like, what does that do for you? Nothing. Um, but, yeah, I I don't know. I have a long list of grievances with travel baseball, but that's just me. Uh, Brandon, <laughs> back to you. Um,
0: <laughs> all right. So, Joe, you, you mentioned this a little bit, kind of referenced it here and there, but let's dive into it. Obviously, your son, Ryan, just got his first D1 football offer from Miami, Ohio. Um, he's doing extremely well, but I'll let you tell the story and kind of take us through that. Yeah, it's, it's uh – I guess it goes back to the, the Joe Neal.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, like four months ago, he's like, he played his freshman year at St. Mary's. And then um, four months ago, he didn't play his sophomore junior. Cause he wanted to focus on baseball. Right. And, and wanted to he was committed to Notre Dame at that time. And it, and it still is, and still is very happy at Notre Dame and, and t- intends to play there. Um, but like four months ago, he said, Hey, yeah, uh, I'm going to buy some cleats. And I'm like for baseball. And he's like, uh, no, I'm, I'm buying football cleats. I'm like, what? He's like, I'm going to give this like seven on seven thing a try and like do this seven on seven thing. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I do nothing about seven on seven, which is like the skill positions like going against each other. And I knew nothing about it. Right. I knew nothing about football. I don't know anything. And he, I guess like, you know, did okay. And uh, got some film on him and people were starting to film and he played against a lot of division one that had multiple offers And football is like a whole nother ball game. When it comes to uh, when it comes to offers and college recruiting, it is nuts. I'm it's kind of like opening up my eyes to this. Um, you know, it's totally different than baseball. And he started like going against these D1 kids from you know the powerhouses like Belleville and you know Cass and and uh, Renaissance and such, and and started doing um, the River Rouge and started doing really you know well against these guys and in competing with him. And then a couple of people said, Hey, why don't you come down to a camp in Miami Ohio? And he went down to a camp and ran a pretty good 40 and then caught a bunch of balls. And next thing you know, they said, Hey, we want you to play college football. So, um, and offered him a scholarship It's like totally like out of left field. Right. I mean, just, uh, um, pun intended. Um, so, uh, just kind of a, kind of an odd circumstance there in terms of how that went about, but, uh, I'm proud of him, And he's kind of like just feeling it out. Obviously with Notre Dame, you know uh, with the coaches uh, situation there, we don't really know um, just like Michigan. And, and so um, yeah, we're just, we, he hopes that, you know, that Notre Dame is, is the place and uh, with the new coach, everything else. And, uh, but at the same time, uh, he's just kind of having fun, you know, playing football. He's going to play his senior year uh, football. And again, I'm, I was kind of like, eh, we probably shouldn't play football, you know, the whole bit, we get hurt, but now I'm kind of like with him, he loves it. And I think that that's important. You, you got to, you, a change the seasons. I remember Luke Lito playing like all three sports. I think it's important and, and it just, it may make you a better athlete, you know? And so I think that if you love it, then you should do it. And it's the same thing with baseball playing college baseball is really, really, really hard, like really hard in terms of academics and everything else that goes along with it. And, you know, football is the same way. And, you know, if you don't love it, you're gonna suck at it. It's just as simple as mm-hmm. that. I mean, you're not gonna do well. And you're not gonna enjoy your college experience, and and so you know if you don't love it, you shouldn't do it. And so I be, I'm a big believer in business too that if you look at all the most successful business people in the world, and I'm not talking about monetarily wise, I'm talking about I'm talking about just in general success. Um, the lot, I mean, every one of them has the X factor, and the X factor is passion, and the X factor is love for what they do. And so, uh, if, if you don't love it, like you really want like, if your dad wants you to play more than you do, it's probably not a good combination. I'm not pushing out uh, Ryan at all to play football. I was like, I, he's kind of pushing me, I guess. I'm, I'm like, I have no idea about it. And so it's been kind of an interesting, uh, interesting chain of events. And I'm, I'm proud of, him, you know, he just, and it gets them more athletic, right. It gets them running more. It gets them, you know, competing. I mean, these guys go one-on-ones on these defensive backs, and these are unbelievable athletes and, um, and you, there's a lot of great, you know, in Michigan, we're lucky to see like Parker Pico over at, you know, Rochester Adams is, um, you know, great football and, and baseball. And he, he definitely could, if he, I think he's obviously, uh, just like Ryan wants to play college baseball, but, um, uh, you know, those guys are, are, are doing it all. And so I think it's just kind of a, a good thing to play other sports, look at other opportunities and, and compete, man. I mean, the more you compete, the better you're going to be at everything you do. Um, and so I think that that's kind of cool as well. So that's how it kind of materialized.
1: Kind of fun. Uh, Brandon, do we have anything else? Do we want to wrap this? I, I would like to um, follow this up. And this is to all the people listening. I, I would like to, when we release this episode, like let's open this up as a dialogue. We want to do a follow-up episode to this where it's a and a where in a week or two weeks or however long it takes us to do it, as a result of this episode, if you have more questions, ask us, DM us, we'll keep it anonymous, uh, create a Twitter account and DM us, whatever you want to do, um, ask us, and then we'll record a follow-up episode a- answering those questions, because I know that um, potentially a lot of the things said on this show were, I, shocking is wrong, but like maybe shifted perspectives on some things, so if if that shifting in perspective brought up a question you want to ask, ask us. And that's what we'll do in the next episode, whenever that is. But aside from that, uh, Brando, do you got anything left?
0: Yeah, I think just to close this whole, whole thing up and, and uh, send us out, just to kind of give a verdict on all of this, recruiting is a lot of smoke and mirrors in, in certain places. And I think like anything else, like anything else, uh, there's a lot of good and there is some bad when it comes to being a recruit at this level in baseball nowadays. And so while there's so many good things and great things happening uh, for Michigan high school baseball, there's, there's a lot of people that are misinformed, too, or maybe not informed and just um, innocently ignorant to the fact of um, you know this whole thing. And so in delivering this, hopefully... It helps some people. Uh, I think we had the, the right people on with the right perspectives and, and uh, people learned from it today. And uh, from, from my perspective, I mean, shoot, when and I tell kids this now, because I know 25 will be 26 next month. I know. I'm getting old. Social Security is going to be soon. Um, in getting to this point, like, I've learned a lot that I had no idea about when I was even, like, 21, right? And I played, my senior year was, like, my senior year was 2014. Um, didn't play my senior year, but in my senior year was 2014. So, back then, I, PBR hadn't even started yet, and Perfect Game Perfect Game was, like, a thing to me, but, like, I wasn't this, like, world-class player, so I wasn't going to Perfect Game showcases, you know what I'm saying? So, the availability and the accessibility of being able to be a D3 D2 NAIA recruit back then was just by going to the school's camp essentially like I, there wasn't a whole lot else you could do there were some showcases that would pop up here and there but i'll never forget this and i'll end with this i'll never forget this i went to a showcase at a facility that i don't even remember for a company that i don't even remember but i was a sophomore and i went to the showcase that was taking place and so this is 2012 to put it into perspective and I did my whole thing, you know, did my swings and took my catching videos and uh, the whole thing. About three weeks later, two weeks later, whatever it was, they tell us that everything comes out and send us the link. My video was mislabeled. so the video with my name on it was somebody else catching. And so <laughs> this video they sent to all these college coaches uh, 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 allegedly, uh, went to the wrong people. <laughs> So, like, uh, or was the wrong person. So, that brain injustice to them was just a totally different kid. Uh, He was better than me, so I ended up getting a couple of offers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So, with all that being said, just want to make sure everyone understands that uh, there's always something to learn in everything, but there's especially always something to learn when it comes to. Uh, being a parent of a recruit, being a recruit yourself, learning more about uh, how to get better in the, at this stuff, and, and, and maximize your ceiling. So, um, hopefully, we did some did a number in uh, helping that out. It's one hour in, longest episode in a long time, uh, and for good reason. Joe, really appreciate you joining us, man. Um, I know we we all talk a bunch outside of the show, but uh, it means a lot for you to take the time, especially while you're out on or in the Cape
1: Cod. There's some
0: there's some um, disputes there. The some disputes. I'm
1: just telling you. I'm just telling you it's on the Cape. Yeah. Okay.
0: I'm, I'm enjoying
2: some chowder up here and, and uh, some clam strips. <laughs> it's, it's been, uh, it's been a nice little, little, little vacation. Watch a little baseball up here. So it's been fun, but thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate Brian. And I hope, uh, I hope, uh, perspective, uh, at least, uh, open up something and, and if, it, if it helps someone to make the right choice because it's so important and, and to have a great college experience and and enjoy themselves I think that that's the most important thing and, and if, if that if what I said help that that that's all I care about is making sure people go to a place that they enjoy that they have a good experience they get better and that they meet a lot of really awesome people that are going to be with them the rest of their life that's the most important thing no doubt
0: all right guys don't well,
1: chase the SEC. There we go. Just don't chase the SEC because it's the SEC. There we go. That's the na- That's the episode of the show name right there.
0: <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. For, uh, enjoy your summer if you're uh, if you're in the summer ball circuit and you're traveling everywhere. Parents, I'm sorry. Kids, enjoy, have fun, win some games, get recruited. We'll talk to you guys sometime soon. Uh, keep enjoying the sun.